What up, what up? Jimmy Murray here with Frank Petalano, and we are the Cashflow Kings. The Cashflow Kings podcast discusses money, finance, mindset, investing with an emphasis on cash flowing real estate. Thanks for joining the Cashflow Kings, and welcome to our episode, Wholesaling with CJ and Beth Moss. CJ and Beth, welcome. Happy to have you guys here. Jimmy and Frank, thanks for having us. Yeah, thank you so much, guys. We appreciate it. So for you guys that aren't familiar with CJ and Beth, they've really taken kind of our local market by storm as becoming the go-to wholesaling team. So we want to get them on the podcast and, and talk through, you know, how they got up and running and some of the things that they're working on today. So guys, I'm not sure if maybe you can dive deep and uh, share how you got started and how you dove deep on wholesaling. Yeah. So, you know, we've only been doing real estate really since 2017. So That's I awesome. Yeah, it hasn't been long at all. I think it's important to start where we actually met, all right? And uh, why don't you start with that, Bo? Yeah, so, you know, we both kind of finished college, you know, and decided to take a leap of faith. I was a qualified elementary school teacher, and CJ, you know, his passion is basketball. So we both kind of got scouted in our own way to go work abroad in Kuwait, I worked in a British school out there, and CJ worked as a basketball coach at an academy in Kuwait. Um, Yeah, so that kind of shows you, you know, who we are a little bit. I played college basketball. I had no idea what I was into. I didn't know what I liked. I was a biology major. Like, I'm just trying to get through college. I think that's really important, though, because a lot of people, they go and they get that college major, and then they pigeonhole themselves. Like, all right, I have to use my biology degree. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, and I mean, it's not applicable to where I am now, but I don't know what I wanted to do when I got this crazy opportunity to go coach basketball in Kuwait, of all places. That's um, awesome, though. That, that's really cool. Yeah, it was a beautiful thing. So while we were, while we were there, you know, she was focused on, on teaching, but I only worked for like four to five hours a day. So I was just bigger pockets, academy, 101, pretty much every other hour of the day. I love that. I love that. Yeah, so we just we talked about real estate, rentals, wholesaling. I'm just trying to wrap my head around everything. Um, the income over there, the salaries are tax free, so we're living good lives, or we could just save everything. That's awesome. So that gave you like the fundamental basis. How do you guys get back across the pond to come back to the U.S.? Exactly. Originally, you know, we didn't even we didn't even know if we were going to move back together, stay together. This was like it was pretty crazy. So. <laughs> And yeah, we kind of like, you know, we weren't, we didn't have the same hours at work. So we weren't seeing each other like normal couples would. We were very much like in limbo as to whether this would even continue as a relationship once we left Kuwait. Um, but, you know, things fell into place and I ended up moving out here. And Yeah, so, so we'll fast forward a little bit, right? So I started in 16, um, about a year and a half later, I tear my ACL in Kuwait, you know, playing with these kids. So I, I go back to America. I'm not going back to Kuwait. And we made the decision, hey, Beth, come over to America. Let's give this a shot. All right. Nice. Nice. So look, she comes over here and she starts walk, working as an au pair, which yeah. is like. It was the only way I could get my visa into the country because we weren't married. So I had to ditch school teaching and I ended up working for a family in Duxbury, Massachusetts. Okay. Um, you know, looking after really, really like rich and privileged teenagers for nice. a year. 
and I had to live in the house with them so I'd only ever see CJ on the weekends anyway so it was like a complete 360 on like my usual routine my usual life and yeah it was a massive change and we both really you know started to grow from that experience the things you do for love look at that that that's a great story though that that's cool stuff um all right so go ahead so yeah let, let me keep rock because this is actually a, it's a pretty cool journey um so and can we talk about like money a little bit is that talk cool? about sure. whatever you guys want we love talking about money all right so you know in our partnership i'm kind of known as like the hustler and i'll just like you know just work rough. she right so she goes to kuwait on a whim She's making pretty good money for, what were you, 23? 23, yeah. 23. So she's making like five grand a month, untaxed in Kuwait, paid for an apartment. Like they pay for everything for her. So she's just, you know, solid money. She comes over here and she starts getting paid. What were you paid in Duxbury? I was getting paid $125 a week to, you know, pay. Yeah. Right? Yeah, wow. (laughs) So think about that. And the funny thing is, not funny, but she's in Duxbury five days a week. I don't even see her. I'm in Providence. And at this point, I'm starting to buy multis in Providence. Yep. So the routine was, um, you know, I bought uh, a two-family, a three-family with, with one of my college buddies. And I lived in the top attic of the three-family. And Beth would come every Friday. So Friday, Saturday, Sunday, she'd stay with me and then go back to Duxbury. So that was the, I mean, I got to give her so much love for just doing all of this for us. Seriously, that, that's not easy. That's not easy on like so many different levels. Like mentally, it was such a challenge to transition from, you know, first of all, living in a place where I had loads of girlfriends and like teacher friends and a community of people to being completely isolated and living on my own basically being treated a little bit like a slave for a year, (laughs) really not having much money at all. So... So I think kind of the background of that is mental toughness, right? And I think that a lot of people undervalue mental toughness in the real estate game because what we do isn't easy. I know that we all do something a little bit different, but following those motivated seller leads isn't easy, what you guys do today from all the footwork you have to do up front to chasing them down to getting it under contract and actually getting the deal to the closing table. Difficult on so many different levels. Absolutely. And just taking that leap. I mean, Think about it. We went in the opposite direction. You want to keep going up in life. We took a massive step back. I was, I moved back. I was making $0 because I was putting everything, my heart and soul into trying to buy these multifamilies. Yep. And we um, laugh about it now because we think like all these risks that we've taken throughout our lives has really led us to this point in like even real estate, you know, because it's just a business where you have to take risks. And we feel like up till now, the risks we've taken have worked out for the best. So when we're more likely to like take the risks now without being, you know, super, super cautious and nervous and scared and, you know, backing out for any reason. So awesome. CJ, you bought a few uh, multis. What was the, what was the next thing? Did you go right to wholesaling? Did you do something in between? What were you doing? So from you know half of seventeen and all of eighteen, I just worked on buying multis. So we bought uh, like eighteen units over six properties in Providence. Really specializing. This is great for the cash flow. Cash flow kings. I was going to say, but CJ's eighteen units are actually like seventy-two units when he starts talking about the strategy, right? 
Exactly. So what we're, our goal is to get as much cash as possible, add as much value as possible, right? So we'd go for these big, uh, if you don't know, you know, if you're not in the Northeast, we have these things called double parlors in our multifamilies and a lot of them. All right. It's like essentially a double, a very large double living room. Yeah. So we're focusing on multis where they have a double parlor. So we can create an extra bedroom. All right. Legally up to code. I always have to say that it's very important. You don't want to, you know, risk anything. Absolutely. But add a bedroom near colleges. And then we rent the rooms out, you know, for five fifty a bedroom. That's pretty much what we average. So, you know, we have the property I lived in, in the attic of, it was huge three bedroom apartments with a massive double parlor. So we make a wall, make a wall, you know, have an extra bedroom in there. Each one of those units is $2,200 a month, 66 for a three unit. Right. So adding that 550 a month in cash flow per unit, that's almost like rocket fuel, right? Right. That's, oh, that's really going to push that P&L to generate that return. Definitely. So you start doing that, you're renting out by bedroom, which isn't an easy game. Um, any insight that you can share on like how people can have success renting by the bedroom? All right. So it's not an easy game. I mean, I'm young and I'm hungry and I started to get burned out after we got, you know, the 18 units, which really came to like, you know, three bedroom unit, let's say 54 units. Um, you know, tenant turnover is high. Yep. So I'm constantly renting them out. There are problems within these communities because these are 18 to like 25 year old people who might not have the best conflict resolution skills. You know, <laughs> just, to be honest, just like, try to be so nice and politi politically correct. But no, I feel you. I feel you. <laughs> um, so how to succeed? I mean, really, you got to try to get at least six months to annual leases. You got to get high quality tenants, you know, don't rush to fill because it's going to hurt you. So when you're talking about quality, where you're saying like higher credit score or better paying job, what does that look like for quality? You know, definitely you want a high credit score. If they don't have a high, if they don't have credit because they're young, which is understandable, you got to get a co-signer. You can't you slack on these things, right? When I've slacked, yep. I've been hurt. So don't yep. do it. Yep. Um, you want them to have good income and you can tell, I mean, you can tell with a resident if they're going to come in. Um, generally when you meet them, if their credit's good and their vibe is good and you have to call the past landlord, you have to call the references, do the extra work. Yeah. You're just going to do your due diligence on all your tenants. I think it's important what you're saying there. So, um, step one is always follow the process or create that process. Yes. So I always talk about how if you create a list of five rules, like maybe rule number five becomes rule five and six, as you start to learn more and you get burnt a couple of times. Yeah. The other big thing that I like to talk about is uh, I love Malcolm Gladwell. I don't know if you guys have read any of his books, um, but you started to talk about how you developed your own blink of like when somebody came through the door, not to like stereotype, but based on the things they start to tell you, you're able to develop, form an opinion of, all right, I think this is going to be a success or not. Like I'm still going to follow my process, but this is going to give me kind of like that, that X factor and, make sure that I'm placing the right tenant. Right. Right. Exactly. Good stuff. Um, so you start to get burnt out with that. How do you start to make the transition into more wholesaling and doing what you guys do today? So essentially we ran out of capital. Like I, we couldn't buy any multis. Um, all the money I saved in Kuwait was gone. You know, yeah. I was living off of like taking $200 a week or I forget, every two weeks from the business. She was obviously doing her thing in Duxbury. So all right, we need to figure out how to, how to make money fast. And a lot of it, ideally, if we're going to continue so, to pile on multis. 
I'm going to, I'm going to pause you for one second. You were taking $200 every two weeks from the business, right? Yeah. Yeah. So th this is like a huge point. So I'm a huge fan of Andy Frisella and uh, he always talks about how I think he took over the first six years, like, I don't know, 20 something, right? Like it was short, short money, slept on a couch, worked other jobs, whatever it was. Um, and I think, I don't even know if Frank knows this, the first two years that we launched line, I didn't take a paycheck. It wasn't until year three that I, that I started to take a paycheck. Believe so me. I think that's really important. Not Same only thing in, with us, by the way, I'll yeah. tell you more, keep going. So I think that's really important, not only in what you were doing, trying to get the business off the ground, like you, you fully bought in and you lived well below your means and on very little money in order to kind of get where you're at now. Um, but then also like I, within multifamilies, people get that first multifamily, they go out, they buy the more expensive car, they start buying the nice shoes and clothes and meal. And, but truth of the matter is like, you got to keep investing in that capital so you can achieve kind of that next level. So I think that's really important. For the first four years of, uh, of our business, uh, we did not take a dime. And uh, then in year four, we were surprised with having twins. So I bought a, a used van for $25,000 cash. And then wow. uh, besides that, we, have, we didn't take uh, another dime for another four years. Wow. And just kept, kept it rolling. Well, that's why, you know, t uh, we, had, we had other jobs. I wasn't doing real estate full time. Yeah. So honestly, I'm, I know that, that that takes a lot to say what you said because to live on that like that. Most people are like, oh, I can't do it, but it's not can, it's that they won't because they don't believe in their dream at that level. So honestly, like, I, I think that's really cool that you're able to do that. That's it. You got it, Jimmy. It's, it's not that they, they can, but they won't. They choose not to. It's a choice. Everything in life is a choice, right? She lived off 150 bucks a week or whatever, or 125. I was on 200. Obviously we lived rent free. That was lucky. Yep. We had, I, we had cars, but um, my partner in Boston, I mean, this guy's, He's making only a hundred grand a year. I got to give him all the love in the world too. He moves down to Providence, moves into a, a basement apartment. Um, he actually moved jobs to get a lesser salary so he could work remotely. So he literally quit his Boston job, got a job working remote for a company in Vermont. Um, I mean, he lived like a peasant. He would have lived in a cardboard box. I swear to God. If I was like, Benny, we're going to cut expenses right now to save more money. <laughs> but that's really important, though. That just shows the level of belief in, in, in terms of kind of that long-term gain. And yep. too, too often, a lot of people in our culture, that instant gratification is rewarded when it shouldn't be. Or, you know, people aren't willing to put in the work for that long-term gain. Yes. Yeah, that's so true. So, uh, yeah, to kind of transition. So then we're, we're thinking about wholesaling. Okay. Can you define wholesaling? Because uh, we have some newer audience members. Absolutely. So wholesaling is when you find a property, uh, generally a distressed property, well below market value. All right. It's going to be well below market value. And you have to get it even cheaper than what a flipper or what a buy and hold investor would want it at. And what you're going to do is you're going to sell the contract. You don't, you don't even buy the property generally. There's nuances, but you just sell the contract to the flipper or the investor. All right. So to sum that up, I find a bad house for a hundred thousand dollars and I sell the contract to that bad house to Frank for $105,000. And Frank's very happy with that. And he flips it and makes a lot of money. Awesome. All right. Um, so it's almost being a real estate agent to a certain degree. You have to go find the leads. You have to meet right. with the sellers. You have to get these properties under agreement. That's a purchase and sales agreement that you sign as a wholesaler, that you put your deposit down as a wholesaler to lock in that contract. 
Um, so to start, we took a course. I'd recommend it to everyone in the world. It's called Wholesaling Inc. Um, it's an investment. It's eight grand, five grand for the course, three grand for the marketing. It is worth it. I will tell you a million times over. It is worth it yeah. if you stay committed to it. I um, think I think that's super important because you hear all these people like, I want to learn, right? And then you're like, all right, well, I know this really great coaching program. Go out, pay it. It's going to give you all the skills necessary to go out and do what you want. Oh, I don't want to pay for it. I know that there's so much free knowledge and even like I share a similar story to you and like I just dove deep on bigger pockets. But at some point you reach you reach that level where you have to pay for that coaching and it is going to be incredibly incredibly valuable. So I know that we always harp on go and get the free information, but you're gonna reach that level where it's necessary to level up and pay for it at some point. Yeah, it's an investment. It's literally an investment in yourself. Do you believe in yourself? Put the money Absolutely. down. Yeah. I love that. Yep. Yeah. So um, we started really blitzing this in January, 2019. All right. Now we didn't get legit deals until when? So we were, we were doing it like full on both of us from January until May. And May was the, so five months of absolutely zero. And that was what we were spending what, like two grand a month. We were spending time? two grand a month, you know, it was what we could afford at the time. It, and we weren't getting any income at all at the time. And so. what about the marketing? So that what way. kind of marketing? um direct mail so you know two thousand dollars worth of direct mail every month and we were doing drive for dollars like that was my main focus it was you know driving around finding the distressed properties and then you know marketing to them um and then for the first five it was literally tumbleweed we weren't getting a single deal you know we were getting calls but they weren't working out um so uh, you know there were times where i'd say to cj like is this even work, worth it? Like, is it working? Does this actually work? Like, we're just putting in dead money. Like, how, how do we continue to do this if we're not going to get any deals? And we'd have these, like, little chats between ourselves where he'd really motivate me. I'd really motivate him. We both had down days where we were like, you know, we're ready to give up on this. It's really been 10 grand in, in the shitter, to be honest. Like, with no, you know, income. Sorry, am I allowed to swear on this podcast? Yeah, as well, yeah. I don't think that's that, fully that explicit yet. So you're good. You're good. <laughs> and you continue. Yeah, so we spin our wheels for the first like five months, right? Heavily discouraged. I just put eight grand into a course. We put another 10 grand into marketing. We're 18 in the hole. And I'm like, all right. I'm about to go into credit card debt, right? I had, I think six, I don't know. I, I had an extra 1600 that I could do something with. So, you know what I do is I, I go to Beth and she didn't really even know wholesaling too well. Cause you got to remember she's being an all pair until like January 19, essentially. Yep. So she jumps in with courage, just like full board jumps in. I love so it. Jumping I say, right in the deep end. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So I say, Hey boo. You know, you got a deal. I made it happen. It ended up working out. You know, your percentage, we, I don't even know how it worked, but your percentage, here's 1600 bucks. Great job. Right. We didn't have a deal, but I was like, I got a motivator. I got to get her going. <laughs> wow. Nice. You faked it. Oh my God. Nice. <laughs> So he literally paid me like out of his own pocket for a deal that never happened. He only admitted this to me like six months later. It was hilarious. Nice. Yeah. But we're, we're sitting on the, uh, we ended up taking like a little holiday to Hawaii, um, which was probably irresponsible because now I don't have any cash left and I'm about to throw five grand on the credit card. 
Um, we just need the break so much, you know, like from all the work we've done and not received anything back. We were like, we just need to go away and just like kind of regenerate. Sometimes that helps you like reset, right? Yeah. Exactly what you just said. Exactly. So we're done like maybe three deals up until that point just to keep us literally like, okay. Yeah. Um, we said, you know, our backs against the wall, we're going to do everything in our power to make this work. And it, it was almost like from January to May, we had climbed Mount Everest or a crazy mountain. And we were at like the 98th percentile, but we couldn't see the peak. Right. Yep. So we're like, holy shit. Like we put so much work into this. We don't know how much more we have to go. Let's just keep going. And then we reached the peak just with the consistency every month, every month we reached the yep. peak. And from then on, our lives have changed. The business has exploded. And like, it's just been the best thing we've ever done in our life. We got back from Hawaii. We went in June. We got back in July, like first week of July. And then literally since July until today, being like May, you know, it's been very consistent. It's just been, you know, we just had deals, you know, three to four a month consistently since then. And the business just took off and we've just found better strategies and be more creative with the ways we find deals. And it's become a business that we really enjoy. And we're both motivated to keep working to build. So yeah, it's been great. So hard work makes its own luck. Oh yeah. Yes. Yes. You have to put yourself in a position for that luck. Yeah. I think it's all about the perseverance, right? So I think about like uh, on Instagram, they have that meme and it's like the three levels of the people digging for diamonds. And you have that one guy walking back with a pickaxe and he was like this close to like actually finding all the diamonds on the right hand side. That's it. That's it. Right. And um, I know a lot of people ask me about wholesaling. I always tell them like, it's a long-term game. You're not going to send one letter to one house and make a hundred grand on a wholesale deal. Like you said, like you spent $18,000 before you're able to kind of crack it open. Yeah. Right. Um, it, it, you have to have the capital. Sure. There are opportunities that are going to be crazy where like Frank and I caught an Instagram DM and made close to a hundred grand on a flip, right? Like you're going to, you're going to have those opportunities, but that's from years of that perseverance and hard work. Right. And it takes that time. And that's what I always try to relate to people. So I think it's really helpful that you share that story of, Hey, it took us this much time and this is how much we had to buy in while we're making $0 in order to get to this level. Exactly. And that hundred G's that you guys made off that DM, the reason you guys got the DM I'm guessing was because you guys have worked like crazy for the last X amount of years, built so many relationships, built your property management business, your buying whole business. People respect you. They want to come to you. You made it happen. Like you worked for the hundred grand. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I think Frank will appreciate this story. Um, when we went to trademark the cash flow Kings, there was another cash flow king podcast and the guy was saying that he had use of a use of the cash flow king term going back to 2017 mm-hmm. i'd been using the term since 2013 when nobody was looking at my post maybe get like one one like one one reaction um, and i think that's important of like people don't realize like how long you actually have to put in the work before you're going to get there it's not that one month one year it's multiple years in order to start generating that higher level income Yep, absolutely. So how much work do you figure you're putting in every single day? Because I know you guys are still killing it with the amount of work you're putting in. I mean, what's your average day look like right now? So, I mean, me, I'm an early guy. So I'm 5.30 every day. I'm a big routine goal guy. So I get up, I I go right into my morning meditation. It kind of gets me centered for the day. 
I stretch right afterwards. I'll do a small like bodyweight workout right afterwards, get into breakfast. Um, the queen needs a little bit more sleep. <laughs> we're all different. But we're all different. I wake up around seven, you know, I take the morning easy, but then, you know, as soon as eight o'clock hits, we're both like on our desk. We do our, you know, Monday morning motivation meetings and we do our Thursday kind of recap, like, are we hitting the goals for the week meetings? Nice. And then we both have completely different days, really, in terms of how we structure them because we have different roles in the business. Yeah. So talk about your roles. So... You know, my or we share the role of driving for dollars, which is the best list we have. And what that basically means is we use an app called Deal Machine where we'll drive streets of neighborhoods that we want to find deals in. And, when you know, you see a distressed house, you click the house icon, it saves it and you can, you know, market to that person later. Yeah. Got it. So I say we share it. I try to do really like 30 to 50 addresses every single day. All right. I do like a hundred to a hundred and fifty a day. I spend I spend more time out in the car than CJ does, and that's just because he has different and more priorities than me on the computer and with like the um, organization of the marketing. Um, but what I do, I've changed it up a little bit. You know, my my schedule now consists of about three hours in the morning. I'll go out driving for dollars and finding these properties. Um, and then in the afternoon, I'll cold call a hand, like maybe 20 to 30 of them that were the most distressed properties. So yeah. it's fresh in my mind that day. I feel like I can really speak to the homeowner confidently about, you know, the, the house because I've seen it that exact day. Um, and I just feel like I have a much better tone and I get more success if I do it on the exact day that I went driving. Um, I, I think that's important. I think that's, that's a, I think that's a huge golden nugget um, because you can talk about the neighborhood and you can talk about maybe something you liked at the house before you dive in and maybe crush their dreams about how distressed it really was, yeah, right? Like exactly. it's just, it's about gaining that common ground so you can gain that sales momentum to get the deal close. Exactly. Yeah. And, and to like kind of blend this in with like the hard work and stuff. I mean, she's out getting a hundred dollars a day, a hundred new distressed properties at five days a week, not every day, but five days a week. Right, that's two thousand a month, just from her. Right, I'm just like trying to like add a little bit, but um, it goes to show it's not easy, and you have to put in massive action if you want massive results. And the biggest thing is consistency. Like, it's not even about like you have to do it and you have to stick to it for it to work. Like, if I flaked at the start when it came to drive for dollars, there's no way it would be as big as it is now. Like, we compared our deals that we've got this month you know, we've got eight current deals that we are, we have under contract and four of those deals are drive for dollars. So like it shows how strong of a list it is and how much it works, you know, cause a lot of people don't believe it actually works, but half of our marketing is just drive for dollars. And you know, half of our deals are drive for dollars right now, which is phenomenal. So I had a question before Frank kind of dives into the fire round at the end. How much money are you guys putting down on a contract? So it really, I'd say average is a thousand. Okay. Average is a thousand. Sometimes I used to put down 5,000, but you know, it's just not necessary. And if they question, oh, CJ, you know, I thought it'd be a bigger depositor, generally 10% of the purchase price or whatever they say, it's just, you know, we generally have at least four to eight deals going at all times. It's our policy, thousand dollars down. Yep. Yep. And so that my big. So my big thing is um, 
on a recent deal, and I've used this a couple of times, is I tell people, this is how I put food on the table for my family, right? So if I don't close this deal, my family doesn't eat because this is how I generate my income in order to bring back and put food on the table for my family, and then they dial right in. Um, I know that people always get hung up on the deposit. Um, $1,000 is solid. Um, Just to provide some perspective here, um, I typically try to go for 100. That's always my goal. But uh, a crazy one is, uh, and I think you guys might have seen this, I put one under contract for a $5 earnest money deposit, and we did close on it. What property is that? I can't that? share that. I can't share that one yet. You'll have to look, you'll have to look back on Instagram. You'll find it. It's on there somewhere. We post yep. every day. So that was Five, awesome. $5 earnest money deposit, $100,000 purchase on a two-family in Coventry, um, 100% financing. So it was a killer deal. Um, but and honestly, this isn't to impress you guys that we're talking to or to the folks that are listening, but to impress on you that you guys can go out and do this too. You just got to put in the work. Um, but I think what Beth and CJ said with that thousand dollar deposit, if that doesn't help them gain enough confidence in what you're doing, develop, develop a solid close that allows that seller to believe in the process. Right. Exactly. I mean, we're at the point now where we have a, a pretty decent website. We have our attorney call the sellers right away, you know, now That's they have a attorney speaking with them. Hey, these guys close four deals a month with me. Not a yeah. problem. They're going to take care of you. <laughs> yeah. Good um, stuff. Good stuff. By the way, that $1,000, just to help people that are new here, you're not giving it, number one, you're not giving it to them cash to the homeowner. Explain wh- what you write the check for or what happens there. So you give the check, you know, generally to the, the seller's attorney, all right, to hold an escrow. A lot of the time, these sellers choose to use our attorney because they're distressed and they might not know an attorney. So $1,000 straight to the attorney who's going to hold it in escrow, which is essentially a safe account um, that will be dispersed towards the purchase price when it's purchased. I just want to make sure people know that because I have a lot of uh, new wholesalers that if they're trying to come up with $1,000, sometimes that's a problem to begin with, which... That's one issue. But the mm-hmm. second issue is, oh, do I just hand it to the person? It's like, no, absolutely not. I've, It'll be gone. I, I made that mistake on my first wholesale deal. I was still able to close. Really? Uh, but I had heard somewhere to bring like a hundred, a crisp new $100 bill. And that's what I did. I sat at Honeydew, Honeydew Donuts in Attleboro and I legitimately slid the $100 bill across the table and the guy signed the contract. I love it. Man. Crazy, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it worked. We still get it done, but. It's crazy, but you know what happened is you took action, right? You made the deal happen, you succeeded, and you learned to probably not do that move. Yeah, don't do it again. That was the only, only time I ever did it. But um, that, that's a story that I, I don't think I've ever shared on a podcast. Uh, so I appreciate you guys bringing that one out of me. That's really cool. There you go. Okay, so some of the questions we ask every single, uh, every single person we have on the podcast. Uh, if someone wants to become a better investor, what would you recommend? Let's give, can we give two answers? Can we give an answer? Yeah. Absolutely. You go first, Will. Uh, um, stop thinking about it. Like, stop thinking so much and, like, you know, talking yourself out of doing something. Just do it and learn from your mistakes. Like, fail forward and allow the failures to make you learn and grow into a better person. Because, like, the amount of failures we've had as a business since we started has been, like, astronomical. And all I can say is that they have just made us into such a strong business. So don't be scared of those failures. Just embrace them and try and, like, find different ways of doing things moving forward like like take it as a learning opportunity 
I love yeah. that because uh, I can think of so many examples like that in my own life at real estate too. Go ahead, CJ. You know, I'm going to just jump on that. Take massive action as a real estate investor um, and not like reckless action. Don't get me wrong. I can't tell you, and I'm sure you guys, you guys probably more than me actually, how many people I've met, you know, my age in their 20s or 30s or whatever, you know, I really want to get into it. I'm looking for this type of return. And they look and they look and they look and they never take action ever. Wait. Way too right. often. Or Way too often. Wholesalers who talk to me for an hour and ask me these nitty gritty analysis little questions. I'm like, dude, how are you going to find a deal? You're going to get on the street to go find a deal, and then you ask me these questions. Like the, the yeah. question, he was on the phone to some guy the other day, and he was giving him all these like golden nuggets and these gems about wholesaling, but he didn't ask the main question, like, how do you get deals? He was asking all about the attorney stuff and all the paperwork. Didn't actually ask us how we get deals. That's the number one thing in wholesaling is going out and finding these off-market deals, you know? Especially yep. right now. Absolutely. Yeah. All right, let's see. Next question. Uh, what is uh, one book you've read lately that you should be considered a must read? All right, so I got to go with Rhinoceros Success. Have you guys heard of that? Nope. <laughs> Going to buy it on Amazon right now. By Scott Alexander. It's a short right. book, um, it's like 100 pages long. It's literally like a child quality read, okay? But this is what it, 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 it impresses and focuses on. Take massive action like a charging rhino, all right? It's, it kind of says there are a few two type of people in this world. I don't know if I agree with it, but this is the book. You have your rhinos. You're taking massive action. You're going to get failures, right? They call them torpedoes. Torpedoes are going to bounce off your skin. They're going to hurt you, but you're going to get back up and you're going to have stronger skin. And you keep charging. And you can be a rhino or you can be a cow, all right? And I want to be a rhino. Nice. You know what I'm saying? So I gotta show you guys something real quick. Is this is the video recorded on this? Yes, it is. Okay. Yes. That's okay. He has pants on, so we're good. I love this. That is awesome. So for those listening in, CJ is showing us a massive rhino that he has in his house. Yeah, so my partner bought me this, the kid from Boston. He bought me this because he knows I'm I'm into the rhino success. And I spray painted it and it's in our office. And it's the background of my computer. And I know that I'm probably like a psycho, but. No, no, I think it's important. You're setting that antenna, right? I'm a huge believer in that stuff. 24 seven. I feel like I'm a rhino. Like when I write my daily plan, it's my daily rhino charge. All right. I love and that. Again, I know I'm a psycho to 99.9% of people, but I'll tell you what, <laughs> it, it works. It just works. Jimmy has the same thing. Why do you think it's lion property management? He has lions all over the place. Well, I've got, I've got other stuff hung up above me that I can share once we get off the call. But yeah, I have similar stuff that I look got, at every single day to keep me going. We got Charlie Lyon and everything. Yep. <laughs> yep. All right. So uh, let's see. By the way, do you have a name for, for uh, CJ? Do you have a name for your rhino? I don't. I don't. Uh, <laughs> maybe I'll think of one. Cause, uh, yeah, maybe, uh, maybe whoever listens can come up with a cool one. There you I go. like that. I like that. All right. So what do you guys uh, want to be when you grow up? What do you see yourselves in your business five years out? It's funny you ask this because we kind of, um, you know, we talk about it a lot and we give ourselves like, you know, five-year plans and we've definitely spoke about where we want to be in the next th three to five years. Um, 
we really, really don't want to live in New England. So, you know, we, we went to Hawaii. That's really when our business started to like explode. And we loved the trip in general and also the success that the break gave us with our business. And CJ, like we went to this place called like the Road to Hana, it's in Maui. And he got obsessed okay. with this big tree there and you know, all the nature that like, you know, this Maui brings. So we really want to move to Maui by 2023. Awesome. And, and we also decided that in the, in the time between then and sorry, um, 2023 and now, we want to build a team here that can run the business for us all over Massachusetts and Rhode Island. And then we want to move out to Maui and replicate the business in Maui. So we want to start, you know, start the Moss Home Solutions business just in Maui and doing, you know, bigger scale wholesales. Love that. Love talk it. about talk about massive goals. You guys have got the massive action, so I'm excited to watch you complete that. That's it. But you know it, like we're gonna we're gonna do it, you know, and doing this path, you guys know, because you're all part of this, like Jim, you were working at Fidelity, right? Yeah. Yeah. And then you built a monster property management company, right? Had a, had a great team, but we, we got there. Yeah. You got there, right? It was, it was, yeah, your journey. And Frank, you were a teacher, right? Yeah. And you worked your butt off real estate investing until you could re retire and do this full time, right? Yeah. We know it's all possible if we take it in our hands and make it happen. And we want to live a life where we're in Maui, we're traveling the world. We have, you know, vacation homes everywhere is possible. And that's what we're going to do. Yeah. We decided as well that like, we don't want to, you know, just buy a house and live in one house and pay one mortgage. We want to own several properties around the world and just kind of like dip and dive between each one, depending on where we want to live. So we're not just like grounded in one place, you know? That's awesome. That's a great goal. That is an amazing goal. I have a, I have a friend, Pedro, who we recorded on a, uh, the podcast before you. We haven't released it yet. You guys will love it, though. He's a world traveler. He's been to 18 countries in the last in about three months. Wow. In 2020. Yeah, before COVID hit, it was in 18 different countries. It was incredible. That is bananas. Uh, I got, I'll have to send you a picture. He went skydiving in Dubai. Ah, uh, phenomenal. Love Dubai. Yeah. Awesome. All right, guys. So uh, we appreciate all the knowledge that you shared. If someone want to reach out to you guys, what's the best way to reach out? I'd say just, at, you know, my cell phone, our email address. And you can follow us on Facebook and Instagram as well. We're always welcoming new followers. Okay. And what's uh, your email address and your handle on Instagram? So um, email is mosshomesolutions at gmail.com. And Instagram is just Instagram.com slash Moss Home Solutions. Awesome. M-O-S-S Home Solutions. Yeah. That's the one. Yeah. yeah. And honestly, I'm cool. You can give me a call. Shoot me a text. Um, my number is 508-844-8884. I'm always so thrilled to talk to people about this. Um, do me a solid. If you're going to give me a call, shoot me a text. Be prepared to take action because like, that's – that's what I need. I'm not going to talk about details with you. I'm going to see if you're real or not. I love that. I love that. So we hope you guys liked this episode of the Cashflow Kings podcast. Um, if you liked it, if you leave us a five-star review on iTunes or Google Play, um, or give us a share on social media and tag CJ and, and Beth uh, in that post. Um, in between podcasts, feel free to check out our website at thecashflowkings.com or give us a follow on Instagram under the handle thecashflowkings. 
The Kessel Kings program is for basic entertainment purposes only. We do not give official legal, tax, or investment advice. And to your success, everyone.